It's week two of the National Football League season, and the only one who can save the local franchise is Isaiah Loudermilk. Or not, but something like that. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out. The team is back to practice today, beginning at 12.30 p.m. There's an open locker room for media for about 15 minutes or so, beginning at 10.45. And I say that because you're going to start seeing, hearing, and reading stuff coming out of there from players who are all going to be telling you that their head coach admonishes them, and he's been doing this for years, that Wednesday is the day to just move on. You got your rear ends kicked. All kinds of terrible things happened. Players got hurt. And the only thing that's to be discussed around there at all is the Monday night matchup with the Browns. And that matchup is going to involve some standard is the standard type of movement on that roster and on that depth chart. Cam Hayward is, of course, going to have groin surgery. Deontay Johnson is going to miss, from the sound of it, at least a couple of weeks with that strained hamstring. And other guys are banged up in walking boots, whether it's for protective measures or not. We'll see how things go with practice participation over the next three days. And somebody's going to have to get a whole bunch of jobs done above and beyond probably anybody's expectations. There's going to have to be a lot of that. If the Steelers are to beat the Browns, who just tarred and feathered the Bengals, and they're going to do it in a big across-the-board bounce-back kind of way after what the 49ers just did to them, it's going to require a long list of surprises. In other words, next Tuesday morning's Daily Shot of Steelers would have to read like a shopping list of, oh my God, can you believe that this happened, and that this happened, and that that happened, and that this guy rose up, and that that guy rose up, and that Loudermilk became an important guy. But that's how this is going to have to play out. Start with the wide receivers. Anyone who dismisses or tries to shrug off the loss of Deontay isn't paying attention to this offense on a regular basis. He is, for whatever else you might find as a shortcoming in his game, an elite top three route runner in the National Football League. Don't take my word for it. Take Ben Roethlisberger's. Take the word of people who've been observing him for years. He's not a great pass catcher when it comes to clutch situations throughout his career. He does that annoying thing where he runs backward, although it worked nicely for him Sunday on the one long route. But he gets open, and every quarterback needs not one, but at least two of those types 
They need someone they can see and trust as a safety valve. They first need to see the player, see that he's open, and then to trust that if they get the ball to him, something good's going to happen. That player is not on this roster. Calvin Austin is not going to replace Deontay. He's not just going to slot over into Deontay's uh, X on the X's and O's and make things happen out of those formations. He's going to have to be scripted in a way where he's on the field, but he's running Calvin Austin-type routes, Calvin Austin-type plays that he's been practicing for several weeks. You see what I'm getting at here? You're not going to drop Gunnar Olszewski, who's going to get a helmet, by the way, for week two, from what I hear. You're not going to drop Gunnar into that role. You're not going to slide Allen Robinson over there. You might move George Pickens to that side, but I'm not sure what good would come of that. George is a guy who's been playing almost entirely on the right side since he's been in the NFL. Do you want more targets to go to George? Yeah, of course. But again, it's not that simple. George doesn't get open really all that much at all. He doesn't have to. Who's going to do that? Who's going to be the one that steps up? I'm not even, for the moment, I'm not even considering the fact that the quarterback couldn't throw the ball straight, including to Deontay when Deontay should have had an easy six points on Sunday. Separate issue. You just have to presume that Kenny's going to be fine for any of the rest of it to matter. The same might be said of the defensive line and louder milk. Because with no cam, well, listen to what Tomlin had to say on this subject yesterday at his press conference. Obviously, uh, losing Cam is significant, um, but that's what team is about. Uh, replacing Cam is not a one-man job, man. It is a multiple-man job and a coach's job because um, it changes your schematics when you lose significant players. And so uh, we all acknowledge that and we all uh, run to that, not away from that. Um, that's an opportunity for us to, to show what team is about. Um, things that we hold near and dear like next man up um uh, have an op we have an opportunity to make that real when we face with the adversity that comes with attrition um in this game and so that's our mindset um that's our plan multiple people uh schematics included he'd go through every defensive lineman on the depth chart he must have spent two, three minutes on Armin Watts alone, and you've never heard of Armin Watts. But you're going to see Loudermilk. You're going to see Montrevious Adams. You should hope you'll be able to see DeMarvin Leal, depending on how his elbow injury heals up. But here again, there's a, there's a name to circle, and that is Keanu Benton. Benton? Upon going through the film, as I did the second time, he was impressive. Even on plays where he didn't record any official statistic, he has a deception about him. He has uh, speed, a natural ability to make a move on somebody, but still be turning upfield. He doesn't waste any motion. And not to be that guy, but when you compare Benton doing that exact thing, and then other guys on this roster trying it, it, it doesn't go real well for the other guys. They're not him. He, he can do a lot more, but he has to do a lot more. They all do.
They all do. If they don't, they're going to be 0-2. And I don't care if the schedule softens after that. I don't care if the Raiders are any good or not. 0-2 is going to be a tough hole to dig out of, given the caliber of not just the AFC North, but of the conference as a whole. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. The law firm of Edgar Snyder & Associates has joined forces with Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett to make a difference in the community. They're supporting Connecting Champions, a local charity that asks pediatric cancer patients, what's your passion, and connects them to mentors who give these young patients an identity outside of their diagnosis. You can learn more about what Edgar Snyder and Associates and Kenny Pickett are doing in the community by visiting edgarsnyder.com slash giving back. Again, that's edgarsnyder.com slash giving back. Today's J1Q comes from Carl, who says, DK, in watching this game Sunday, I noticed that Kenny Pickett was sacked on the Steelers' third offensive snap and slammed down sideways with his head whiplashing onto the ground. And in watching how Kenny performed over the next couple of quarters, it seemed awfully reminiscent of that Tua Tagovailoa performance when he was concussed a couple of years ago. Is there... Any chance that Kenny actually suffered another concussion, but it went undetected by the Steelers, and Kenny didn't want to alert them that he wasn't feeling 100%. This came up yesterday, Carl, with Tomlin, and Tomlin rejected every component of it. He pointed out that the player neither complained about symptoms nor showed symptoms other than the possibility of what you're describing. There was nothing from the Steelers medical staff and there was nothing from the NFL's concussion spotters who are both overhead and standing on the sideline. They're all over this. It's the only thing that they do. Now, is there a possibility that something happened to Kenny on that play, the way he was swung around, the way his head, uh, you used the word whiplashed and that sounds about right to me especially near the end of it, and then his new helmet, the one that's supposed to help with this sort of thing, went into the grass. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Could that have affected him and his performance? Could that have contributed to the misfires? Could that have contributed to the happy feet that followed the misfires? Neither of which were characteristic, and neither of which were seen at any point over the summer or through the preseason. Again, yes. Are we ever going to know that? Sure, maybe, a few years from now when Kenny writes a book. But you're not going to find out now. You're just not. Kenny's going to speak with reporters today. Kenny's going to be asked about that. Then he's going to be asked about it again. And then someone's going to find a clever way, maybe it'll be me, to ask it a third time if the first two answers don't seem sufficient. But he's not going to say, you know what, guys, you got me here. 
Okay. You're right. I got concussed. I was selfish. I just figured I need to keep going for the team because this is the way we've been working these plays. I don't want to be labeled a concussion guy because I've already had two of them in this league. I don't need a third. He's not going to do that. He has absolutely nothing to gain from that, aside from the obvious, if there's something actually wrong that would benefit his health, to be honest in reporting these things. But, but, Carl, let's you and I both step back from this and consider at least the possibility that Tomlin was telling the truth and that, in fact, Kenny will tell the truth that he wasn't impacted either physically or mentally, by this sack. In that event, it's also possible that he just had a really bad day. That's also in the mix. I'm going to be blunt with you here, and I hope you don't get offended by it, and I hope that anybody that's expressing your same question or has your same line of thought there gets offended. But... When fans like a player, they will find ways to attempt to explain when things don't go well. Let's be honest here. If Mitch Trubisky has that same day, nobody's talking about that sack. If Mason Rudolph has that same day, nobody's talking about that sack. We're just talking about how either A, they stink, or B, they had a really bad day, or even see both. But in Kenny's case, everyone, it felt like to me, was flooding in the direction of finding a way to explain this. He had a bad day. If you want to know my view on this, and it's certainly not medical, and I'm not going to claim any of this to be medical, he had a bad day. He misfired. He didn't have a particularly good practice week leading into it, okay? If you were picking up on some of my hints from last week. And all of that happened before the sack. I don't know why. I'm not in his head. I do know that there were a lot of things that I didn't like about the Steelers' offense. Heck, I, a lot of things I didn't like about their defense. A lot of things I didn't like about their special teams. They were all bad. The team was bad. The quarterback also was bad. I really don't know that it's much more layered than that. But hey, we're going to ask today. We're going to find out. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Going to do another one of these tomorrow. 